Welcome to Simply Stogies. I am your host, James. Obviously, we are on location somewhere. Uh, we are at the humidor of Lyle. Nick Cirrus, uh, my friend and co-host, he's on uh, assignment. It's a secret assignment. So secret, I don't even know what he's doing. It's something in Jersey, probably just smoking a cigar. Uh, but I am excited because we're here, like I said, at the humidor of Lyle, uh, right outside Chicago. In Chicagoland, we have a very special guest. It is a friend of the show, my personal friend. Uh, Jeremy Castagli, Castagli Cigars. Jeremy, welcome back. Good to see you, James. Should I be staring at that one or that one? I saw you looking particularly. Uh, I don't. Can I just, I, or should I just look at you? You should just look you're at me. You can wonderful. look at that if you want Smoking to talk to the there. folks. Very good. Very good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, lovely to be seeing you again. I think it was uh, uh, PCA last year. PCA last year. When we were doing year. a great cipher yes. adventure story. How is the cipher done? Uh, amazing. Uh, I would say one of the most moving moments for me, um, you know, with this story that many people know, was in Germany. Because like, how are the Germans going to actually approach this? And we did a, so we had done a sort of a pre sort of like view, view for them in the June just before, and people were very moved by it. Uh, especially say it's you know I say it's part of your history as well, but perhaps not in a most pleasing kind. No. So anyway, but I will say that when it came to Interbach in held in Dortmund, Germany, each year. Um, we had incredible reception for the German. This is for the it's for the business, just like IPCPR. Uh, but the single most moving moment was, uh, I don't know if you guys are fan, fans of Gladiator. Oh, yes. Okay. So you've got this chap called Rolf Muller, who actually uh, acted uh, with uh, Russell Crowe. He was that chap that sort of stood out in the arena and got a bloody arrow in his leg. He's yeah. a right old pain in the neck. Uh, uh, he's a friend of Schwarzenegger's, by the way. He's a bit of a star in Germany himself. He's been in some Conan movies. And so he uh, comes to the Kleinlagel stand where we are, and uh, dear Martina and Klaus uh, Kleinlagel said he's coming and he's going to want to hear about the Cypher series. So he arrives and uh, he's got his entourage and press behind him because he's a star there, just as much as uh, his, his dear friend Arnie is over, over here. And uh, so he said, I heard you have a special project. So I showed him the cigar, I showed him the book, and uh, he, see, he, he was very overwhelmed. And he said, did he survive the camps? I said, yes, he did. And he said, look, on behalf of Germany, I want to apologize. I said, Rolf, you don't have to go there, mate. You know, he said, but you kind of do. I said, I just hope, I was only worried. I said that, that uh, <laughs> fuck Hitler might be an offense to the Germans. And he says, my dear, he didn't say my dear chap. I would have said my dear chap. But he said, dear Jeremy, he was an Austrian. He fucked all of us. <laughs> so um, that was, but it, with that, the reception has been amazing. Uh, we've, um, uh, sold out, obviously, because it was only 8,000 made last year. The 8,000 for this year are arriving. Um, uh, some will be there for PCA. You'll see them with their little stamps, 2022, the production. And by the end of the year, we're going to have a addition, a Robusto Gordo. We call it the Boniface, which is part of the um, Ultra and Secret War story, the name. Uh, which, which we were looking at this morning, actually, because as somebody said, you know, we never called it the Ultra. During the war, it was referred to as Boniface. And I thought, that's a sexy name, that is. isn't it? And actually, Boniface, was, the British do have a sense of humor because he was a British priest in the um, uh, 7th century AD who went to Germany and helped build the um, church there and was considered and still today a great German patriot. But of course, and a saint, he was, he was, he was sainted. Uh, or, or, and, and so 
So, of course, he was British, and of course, he was doing it in Germany, wasn't he? <laughs> so, we, they used to refer to him as Boniface. So, I suppose it was any sort of um, Abwehr German chap saying, they're talking about Boniface. Oh, this must be a German Patriotic League or something because he's a German hero. And somebody might thought, well, he was British as well, you know, this could be something suspicious. <laughs> so, there we go. The Boniface will be available before the end of the year. We're going to get a special box for it to be made. And like the others, uh, donations to it will go to the Red Cross. Very nice. And so I will say thank you for all of those out there giving us this particular line your support. We have now raised over 10,000 euros that have gone to the Red Cross, of which I have to pay personally. It's personally costing me. I can't, it's not tax deductible, but I'm very happy about it. So thank you so much. It's that's wonderful. great. That's, that's fantastic. And the last time we saw you, uh, before the PCA, because we got about 10, 15 minutes there because you guys were busy. It was the, the end of the show. We got to talk to you for 10 or 15 minutes. But before that, it was 2019. It right. was right before the pandemic. And that was, was that was in the Clayton? It was at the Clayton. Yes. Uh, and we sat down and we had a great conversation for an hour. And you kind of hinted at the cipher a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you, you told me a little bit about the story. Uh, what, what new things do you guys have coming out? Uh, you know, no, the new stuff, we've got some good things. Um, one of which we won't have at the show is the Boniface, but, um, I just, they got some sort of, to help me, my, my fading mind. <laughs> well, the first big story, of course, is that we have a completely new distribution setup. And uh, my dear lady uh, Tamara, who's off camera right now, which she is a great shame. She's far prettier than I am. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, I would agree. I would yeah, agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I agree about. So we are going to um, uh, have our booth there, um, and we are also supporting a, a Italian company which is coming on with their uh, Canada cigar, and they wanted to be part of us. So we said, let's um, you know introduce them into the United States as well because it's a very boutiquey brand. And so you will see Canada. They are quite well known for attaching the typical Italian style, little bits of gold to their cigars and things oh, wow. like this. It'll be quite pretty. Yeah. So we have them. We will be displaying um, two, uh, well, one new line from Kellner Jr. Okay, called the Napoleonic Collection. You can see images here. It's on the camera. Maybe I can switch this over. Maybe it'll probably, if you're looking at a screen with one of these cameras, you probably just get a, gl- a white glare. But, All right, you know what? I'll take a picture of it. Yes, and you can put And then that I'll up. put it over, yeah. Yeah, I'll send you imagery. This, this is a project which um, I've been working on for eight years. Eight years to research the generals, <clears throat> which were famous in the Napoleonic period oh, wow. for spreading tobacco smoke and glory through Europe. Um, so, uh, you know, once I was a young boy at uh, prep school, there's hell holes they put us into. My first chum at the age of when I was eight years old was a chap called Robert Ulrich Blücher. And he was a descendant of Feldmarschall Gerhard von Blücher, who was the Prussian uh, commander at Waterloo and actually on most of the Napoleonic battles. Wow. <clears throat> so we had to honor him. He was always seen with a pipe in his hand and some of the Frenchies. So cutting a long story short, each year we're going to be do- introducing two lines of cigars named after famous generals. France against Prussia on this one, the Field Marshal Michel Ney, uh, the Braves, we call them, and uh, Gebhard van Blücher, the Forada. So these are made at the Kellner Boutique factory, as I said, 
And next year we'll be doing France against uh, Austria, France against uh, Russia, <laughs> and right at the end, France against England. But the research and the story is in the boxes. So you'll be able to enjoy all of that. So that's the first one. And of course, uh, it's now actually 26 years I've been in this business. But so we're kind of celebrating last year. 25th anniversary sounds better than 26. It so does. It we does. are doing an addition to the um, traditional line. Um, you see, when the old bad old days when I was working with Havana, my first, my, 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 my first favorite cigar, and Div Ladder that used to work with me always accused me of this. <laughs> I love the uh, Oida Montre Double Corona. So, uh, Double Corona was my favorite Cuban cigar, Oida Montre. And Hendrick Jr., not working with any Cuban tobacco, of course, tried to get close to that Cuban character with our traditional line. So we add to the traditional line a double Corona. Nice. And so that's going to be out and, and available to be seen at PCA. So you're expanding lines, you're bringing in new lines. You've mm -hmm. been doing a lot of work, obviously, during COVID. Um, things have changed. You've got new team members. You've yep. got new things going on. How did COVID really imp impact you guys? In a, in a, probably in a, in a very good way, like the industry all over, right? Not was any was a boom in America, but across the world. And the other thing that hit during COVID is that the poor Cuban business got more massacred than before. So that opened up a lot of new markets for us. And it was during COVID, of course, that uh, Dear Half Wheel, um, Charlie produced this consensus where, of course, Half Wheel is one of the most stared at sites around the world. Um, and uh, he did the statistics on the brands which are making the most impact. And I think we might have brought this up a few times last year. Uh, but since we're talking about COVID, it was in 2021, I believe. Or was it 2022? Maybe he published it. I think it was 2022. That we were the seventh most talked about brand in across the world uh, with the taking 48 different sort of like... Um, media outlets, yes, you know, and taking statistically uh, tied with Artelio Fuente. I mean, we're, we're, and plus we had the votes coming in from Cigar Journal for the awards in 2021 and 22. Yeah, so. Let's, let me dig into that for just a second because you used to work in Havana around Cuban tobacco and around that. Nick Sears did too, my co-host. Yes, Nick. Yes, uh, he's a good friend of my friend Omar. Hi, Nick. <laughs> you might have met briefly. I'd love to get. To I would love him. to have you guys on. I know he knows all about oh, he the does. lounges. He was very much involved with that. Yes. So, so good, good, good. And man. I wanted him to be a part of this, but the logistics of trying to set up a Zoom call and it not echo and reverberate through the room. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but with Habano's essay raising their prices three hundred percent, and the Asian market literally just being as ravenous as possible and eating up as much as they can mm -hmm. of their stock. That leaves a big hole in Europe, especially Europe. Well, that's why I was mentioning the consensus, because it um, opened up a lot of Habanos dealers that wanted, they turned to our brand um, as one of the top, some of the new ones. Of course, they looked at Padron and Artelo Fuente. Uh, Davidoff has always been around the region. Um, but uh, we were one of those boutique brands they wanted on board. So an example, we had uh, the Serbia, um, Kuwait, uh, Saudi Arabia, now um, uh, even now in the, uh, the Czech Republic. These were the Habanos dealers reaching out to us. 
Yeah, because they didn't have stocks. No, they have no stocks. And in fact, uh, in last year's PCA, I was very honored that the um, Khalifa family approached me for Bahrain, but we were already, my dear chap, we're already being distributed by the New World cigar distributor there. We can't just, and he said, I understand, but that, that's that poor desperation that these guys are facing, that they can't make a living with the amount of Cuban cigars, you know. So are you seeing a, a, a boom in... And just in demand for those really wonderful, for, for, for boutique makers as well as the larger ones, uh, the reach is coming out from the world to try to get these New World cigars now. But of course, most of the New, the new World uh, you know, uh, brand owners are based and self-distributing in America, the biggest market in the world by far. So... Many of them are saying, yes, thanks, but no thanks. Or it's very, some of the registrations you're going through in these countries is incredibly difficult. And uh, there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, you have, to, you have to fund the damn thing. You know, some of the zero packaging and stickers you have to put together on each box for Saudi Arabia is enough to make one ten a grave, you know. So, um, it, you know, many will be staying here. So I do see the tsunami arriving. There is a boom going on for New World cigars across the world outside the United States due to the fact of, yes, it's a hobby and the COVID thing and people are interested. And secondly, because the Cuban cigar smokers need something to smoke. Well, and you, I feel like you kind of have a leg up on the competition, especially in Europe, because that's where you're from. You're, you live in Estonia. You've got a lounge in Estonia. And I see you travel all over in Europe to new countries that you're opening up. Well, Europe and now obviously South America opened up during COVID with, with um, Brazil. Um, and I just came from Sao Paulo. I was going to say, I, I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to like be, oh, he just flew in from Brazil, but you just got in literally yes, last night. Brazil uh, this morning. <laughs> and, and, and if I told you, I, <laughs> I, tomorrow I'm in St. Louis. We're lovely to go to the, to the Hills Cigar Company. And then we're going to head out the next day on Monday. I'll be back in Estonia for a few days. And I'm going to head down to um, uh, uh Croatia, yeah, I've got to go down to Dubrovnik, a little island off Dubrovnik. I'll be there for one night, presentation, back up to Estonia, I'm meant to be heading off to Singapore. Wow. So, you know, um, yes, and handling the United States, so thank God for Castagni Cigars USA with Tamara and Graham, which are going to be looking after it. I will not be at PCA personally because I have a nasty shoulder operation to get work done. Mm. It's going to put me out of business. So I've got to get right for into tobacco. So, Yes, we are going to be at with our booth there um, with these new cigars. And we will see. I'm so pleased to know that Hendrik Kellner Jr. is going to be at PCA and he'll be at our stand for a good part of the time as well. Oh, very nice. So if you want to ask him about some of the lines he makes for us, then you'll be able to uncover some of my bullshit. You are a, you are the consummate storyteller. I would not say. Well, yes, I'm the tourist. Long, long stories. <laughs> when you go to lounges now and and you're you're building these networks, you're building these relationships. How important is it for you? Because like we just talked about, you just flew in last night from Sao Paulo. How yeah. important is you is it to you to build these relationships directly with? The consumer. Well, I think, well, it's obvious that you should be doing that. I mean, you've answered your own question. But the other point is, that, do you find it any fun? Of course I do. It's the, the arriving is great. The, the Uber drives I get are phenomenal. I'm always chatting to the Uber drivers. And, and uh, I, some of the stories I've got over the last time I was in America, just last month ago, actually, were just phenomenal. 
Um, you know, they asked me, but I said, no, tell me about yourself. You could, the name usually gives a clue. Uh, and, and, uh, so the, and then the arriving and doing this and, and smoking with people. But the thing that does drain you is the traveling, of course. Oh, yes. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not getting any younger. So I'm finding it hard and I got this bloody shoulder issue. So, um, but it, it's, it's okay. But the, I, I, the traveling is getting me down, I'd have to say a little bit. I can imagine. You can hear it in my voice. Well, I can hear it in your voice, and I know, you know, I was emailing with Trin and Trina, and she was like, well, he'll be in America, you know, during this time. I'm like, all right. And then I emailed her, and she's like, nope, he's already left. Yeah. <laughs> he'll be back in Chicago here. I'm like, perfect. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so you were, you were a jet setter, and you said you were going to Singapore. Yes, Singapore. We're, we're debating it at the moment because we've had a change of guard at the lounge there. It's a beautiful lounge, Scots near, near um, uh, Raffles. And they also have a duty-free areas, which are covering in Myanmar and Sri Lanka and Singapore. And they're going to be building up a lot of our accessory line, the Villa Castagli, because you see there it's plain packaging. Even in the duty-free areas, you're not allowed to show your cigars like it is. Really? You have to be behind the screens. Uh, so... Um, the Villa Castagli line is what's it's like, you know, drawing them in, you know, because we have some, made some beautiful things. Um, and we call it the Villa Castagli collection because it avoids directly marketing our lovely cigars, which, you know, the world frowns at these days. So um, that's interesting. In fact, that was quite always a funny story. When the Chinese originally said, we want to have your Villa Castagli line, the silks, the ashtrays, you mean the porcelain ashtrays? And the Chinese silk decorated in, 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 <laughs> in Italy. I've yet to see many Italian silkworms. Um, and I said, and so you've got to, you say, you're the Chinese, God love you. You're wanting to have porcelain and silk from an Englishman. What are you going to pay me? An opium? Right. On <laughs> <laughs> a world's terms. <laughs> he even chuckled at that. But, um, you know, so, and we're making the, the, the fun lamb things, and we got a new, new uh, edition of something there. So, um, yeah, so uh, with Singapore, um, and we're, I'm being told we might or might not be going at the end of the May, but then I have to go later in the year. But uh, we'll see. How important is it for not just Castagli, but for the industry to try to take some of that market share in, in the Asian markets? Well, it's, you probably are not wearing you doing so because there's uh, great merchants, the Chinese, and we find our cigars are already being smoked in China. And you'll find that, uh, you know, in, in the United States, of course, that some cigars might be heading east anyway. They might think they're sending them to Germany or whatever, or, and, but they're ending up in China. So um, the Chinese market's enormous. Uh, they do um, overall um, be, are in love with Cuban cigars. That's when the, and the Chinese themselves own Havanos, half of Havanos yes, now. Yes, they do. Hence why the prices went up. Mm. Okay, to stop this parallel trading, they're so damn expensive that somebody in Hong Kong might not want to buy them so much. So, uh, get a fox to catch a fox. <laughs> I like that. It's funny, they raise it, they actually announced it will now be at Hong Kong prices. So, there's a reason behind that, isn't there? But there's still shortages in the Chinese. Yeah, still they can't keep up with demand. They couldn't keep up with demand before. They're yeah. not going to be able to keep exactly. up with demand. And our, and our problem is the same. In a way, I love to say to equate us with Havanos, it's being a bit too proud for me, but production is our issue. Well, and that was going to be my next question, because we talked about the boom earlier, and, and, and the boom's kind of over, right? So 
what does that look like? Because a lot of manufacturers seem to be like, uh, what are we going to do now? Because oh, I'm sure they're still trying to produce like crazy. Now, Hendrick Jr. told me, thank God the boom is over. <laughs> Why did he say because, that? Uh, the pressure on trying to keep your torso doors. You know, if you've got, um, like, the, we have one pair working on the Grand Cafe and the Cottontail, you know, the Figurado and the Lancero, uh, much as well, you know, fabulous brand like Principal Cigars, and they have wonderful cigars there as well, and I'm sure it's the same pair, really, <laughs> admiring his magnificent, the Cochon Volante and stuff like this. So, um, uh, Hendrik was saying that these guys are just arguing for their wages to be increased. They're speaking to other Lancero producers, you know, Torcedores, because these are obviously the, some of the top in the business. And I'm sure that these chaps have created like a sort of Lancero Torcedor union. Union, yeah. Kind of, well, to be, and, and, and they're demanding certain wages. And so, um, and it's natural to, to happen and it's right for it to happen in a way. Um, so we have huge tobacco shortages creeping around the corner. We know, uh, that's one of the biggest pressures was not only the boom, but the marijuana industry, which seems to be very accepted in Europe, as cigars are not, um, and in America as well. Yeah, and they're looking for broadleaf for their, to, to wrap the, to their production cigars for, you know, for their marijuana. And, um, you know, when you're going to plantation as a marijuana guy looking for your broadleaf, well, they don't have to age the bloody thing for two years before sending off to the factory. They can just do a quick turn. So it's a quick sell. And there's a huge, thank God, in one way, with Hendrik, yes, as I said one time, with German sort of TV was interviewing us in, in Dortmund, and tobacco TV, I should say, probably, it was probably <laughs> maybe it was a regional program. But they were saying, um, uh, you know, uh, tell me about the, the factory and production. So well, it's very boutique. He says, we've got like... Uh, four pairs, and Hendrix and whispers to the side, but we've got a shit ton of tobacco, Jeremy, lots of tobacco, tell him that, tell him that. So I think you just did. Um, so, so he said, Jeremy, we, we are okay with us, especially with our, um, you know, our clients, that we have tobacco for, for them. With the production we're doing, we can do a controlled increase. So we're fine there, but I know a lot of others are, are going to suffer for this. You're not the first person no. to talk about a broadleaf possible broadleaf shortage oh yeah so i i know some in the industry and that's kind of weird to me to think for the last three years everyone's been ramping up production because they've kind of had to right yeah and now all of a sudden here we are we're coming out of the pandemic everyone's traveling everything's pretty much open yeah and demand seems to have at least leveled out maybe gone down a little not bit not so many people can smoke as many cigars at home but you still have these new people that joined yeah and they're not walking away from it. Uh, we've seen that in Estonia, right? So we're now crowded out. But you're right, in one respect, the other ways you don't have the chance to smoke as many as you did when you're working for home for two years. So it's more of a slowdown. You yes. know, when you're, when you're working totally, from yeah. home, you're smoking two, three, four, shut up. Sometimes four a day. <laughs> uh, yes. Those with families outside smoking the yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but yes, I mean, but the, the demand, uh, you know, I could say... Each month, we now have these one or two countries reaching out to us. So the boom within the United States, I'm not so aware of because, of course, I was, you know, uh, away. I know that Vlad was under a lot of pressures also with reaching stuff. But personally, seeing the rest of the Europe and, and, and uh, Middle East and Africa is a huge growing market. 
with a wonderful new middle class has come to emerge in West Africa. Um, and, and we've now have a Ivory Coast opening and putting in some very nice orders with us. Very nice. Uh, and because this is a new market that's growing too. Possibly a lot more easy to manage than wonderful Chinese market, which still has a lot of estate control. So with the FDA, uh, I have to ask. They're kind of raising their ugly head again, aren't they? All right. Well, they've, they've, they've backed off the substantial equivalence and all of the yes. things that we were worried about before the pandemic. But now they're saying, well, now we want regu to regulate factories over overseas. How, how, Track and trace. How does that even work? They have no jurisdiction to... Yes, well, they do see where... They don't have jurisdiction over the countries that make them, but they have jurisdiction over the countries that are arriving in. Because trust me, the FDA, I looked at their new stuff, and it seemed very sinisterly equivalent to what's happening in Europe. Really? Track and trace systems. Putting in, uh, like, special... Like, um, you're going to have special sort of um, uh, sort of um, added components as to, to stickers and barcodes, but special produced ones from using special intricate software, which is over, we are overcharged for to regulate, uh, where the cigars are being produced. And also, I know in the United States to actually try to, re to regulate the ingredients and how it's produced. And, um, you know, there's one thing as I guess it's Jurassic Park. Life always finds a way. <laughs> and whenever we have something hurled at us, we always will find a way. And I think it just make, bring, in one way draws us all closer together. I remember when we were having these stupid regulations being applied in Europe. Um, you know, it would be, we'd have to have questionnaires. We'd, we'd have to decrypt to try to get ourselves registered in, in, in the EU countries. And I remember one of their questions was the components and weight of the glue that's attaching the rings. So you're on the phone to the Mirafels, you know, Artelo Fuente. You've got this chap who's quite a scholarly boy in Switzerland who looks after Vegas Santiago. And you're all comparing notes. You're all trying to help each other. And I think that's one thing that it does bring us to as we're under assault, you draw closer together. So these are the cloud, the silver linings, I suppose. And I'm sure we'll find a way. Because someone has famous, famously said on this show that the cigar industry is like a poker table at the Old West. Yeah. You have everybody above the table drinking, playing cards, smoking cigars, having a great time. But under the table, everyone's guns are drawn. Is that... Is that the case? Um, it depends. Everyone has their own experiences. Um, I have to say that, you know, the brands which I come across, most of the European ones, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't, you know, I, I drift into America twice a year, perhaps a bit more now. So I don't know how it works here. But I know when it comes to Europe, we're all quite sort of um, close actually. And, you know, uh, I might bump into Oliver, you know, Frederick or one of his guys, and we're always having a good old drink at the events in Poland if we're there together. Um, so I can't talk about America. America is such a huge market, taking, what, 85% of New World cigars come here, and the, the funds to be made here are bigger. I'm sure it's a little bit... Um, more sort of perhaps like that, whereas actually out in the rest of the world, we're more like exploring officers, sometimes bumping into each other. <laughs> and we got, oh gosh, how are you finding Baku? Oh my God, you know, and, and perhaps it's a bit more of a, a wild um, sort of uh, wild west feeling actually. 
So I, that's the only thing I can... My personal experience is that everyone that I've met has always been very generous with their time. Uh, of course, I used to distribute for one or two of those companies in, in Belarus back in the day, and they never forget that, um, especially the Mirafels are still very close to. So, you know. So when you're overseas, you've got your team here in the United States, uh, Tamara, and you've got... Uh, Graham. Graham. Graham, yes. Yeah, yeah. So you want to talk about them because I know you just went yes, through... Yes, absolutely. Well, Graham McMeekin. I used to work with 40 years ago in the airline business in Belgium. No kidding. Absolutely. And that was an adventure. We were young kids. Uh, when I say young, we've been, I mean, 24, 25 years old. It was People Express Airlines, which is an American airline, which we were all shareholders of. So we were union busters. Eventually became part of Texas Air, mentioned, of course, in the famous Wall Street program. It was a hell of an adventure. So Graham... We were one of uh, two, a team of five people out there, and we always kept in touch. Um, and um, uh, he's a very good logistics guy. He deals with medical sales. Yeah, and uh, we had a reunion of the airline business. I think it was in first time I'd seen most of those people for 40 years. Oh, wow. And we took over a hotel in Newark Airport where we were based. And we had to have name tags because we can remember each other. Slightly frightening, actually. I remember these young girls, and now we're all sort of wandering around like she from Ursula Andress walking out of the everlasting fire. This turned 300 years old. <laughs> Maybe it was essentially years this. But um, uh, Graham and I sort of really bonded back at this event. So um, uh, I told them, you know, we've got a you know potential problem in the United States market. Um, you know, dear Vladder was, was concentrating in his own brand, which he should have. He spent a lot of time. He's got an amazing palette. Wish him well on that. But we knew we needed to, um, and he will do well, I'm sure. But we, we, we needed to like look at a different sort of uh, structure for importation. Because um, we know we always had a lack of control that sometimes the stock was evenly being split around people. But uh, he said straight away, Jeremy, we'll do this together. And uh, he said, and one of the um, team that, or people that I know in the business, and then he mentioned uh, Tamara, who's obviously from, from uh, Tampa, so very the home of cigars, and said uh, she loves the odd smoke and stuff, and she's a very, very good self-starter sales lady, and somebody that's enthusiastic of a challenge. I'm finding that out this morning. So um, uh, she'll be perfect to actually come and, come and help. And also the reception of a lot of the, the our, our um, clients has been phenomenal, old clients here. And, and, you know, I always will say, you know, Vlad, thanks so much for building it. And I really wish you all the best. Um, but we then built, so, Castagli Cigars USA. And the interesting thing was to become an American business owner, I needed to discover my old social security number from 40 years ago. And that's a story all of its own. Did you find it? I'm guessing you did. Well, I remember sitting there in <laughs> Naples. So I mean, we have our warehouse in Naples and we built this crazy humidification system because Graham's doing it from scratch and he is learning, a fast learner, full of energy. And um, uh, originally from New Zealand, by the way. So if anybody does meet him, you've got, well, that's not an American accent. Sort of a faux, sort, of, um, sort of New Zealand, sort of uh, interesting family he has from New Zealand. So um, uh, we, um, uh, you know, got it together. And, um, you, know, with, you know, Vlad, thank you so much for everything in a few years. And I really wish you the best if anyone's hearing that. And I hope you get him on your show. I hope I get him on the show yeah, too. Yeah. Vlada, come on, man. Call yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, email yeah. me back, man. You're yeah. killing me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's, 
because this kind of goes with everything we're talking about. You're you're traveling and coming to the U.S. and Brazil and traveling all over Europe. Your events are amazing, and part partly because you're a great storyteller, and people want to hear those stories. And you have you're very proud of your family. You're very mm-hmm. proud of your family history, uh, and that shows in in your cigars. That shows in the lines and what you name them and and the stories you put to them because people love a good story. And you're great at storytelling and telling those stories, telling your family history. You have an event coming up. It's a it's a virtual cut and light. So for people who can't yes get there uh, to to your events in person, we're going to be able to provide you with a forum for everybody yes, anywhere. Yes, it's going to be interesting because I'm going to be conducting this in Estonia, um, and I'll be at our lounge. And with the time differences, I mean, we're sitting on Eastern European time. So I think we're going to be kicking off at about 10 o'clock or 10.30 at night for me. And we'll be going into the early hours. And it's going to be a Saturday. So it's going to be raucous around me and it's going to slowly dissipate and eventually go, I'll be the only one being left. <laughs> um, and I believe I'll be smoking three cigars. I did say that, you know, I know Lucas is doing a phenomenal sort of like logistics thing where he's getting the cigars. We got some wonderful swag going out. Um, and so that as we smoke the cigars, I can talk about them and be available. So, um, you know, uh, providing Russia doesn't cut off our airspace. <laughs> I had a buzzing jet. Um, but uh, so, yes, it, it's going to be, I think it's on the 4th of June, mm-hmm. I think, right? Uh, 3rd or 4th? 3rd or 4th. Well, yeah, yeah been, for me, it'll be the 3rd and 4th. Because I'm going to be there, yeah. But yes, but we're going to get a lot of publicity out about this as soon as I'm back from the United States on Monday. So you will be hearing a lot more about it. Lucas, um Phenomenal chap, of course, he's Brazilian. Great guy. And, uh, so I ended up in Sao Paulo, and some of the people that knew him were down there, so I got his wonderful link. I, I, was, I was talking to Lucas, yeah. and he goes, oh, he's at my buddy's shop. I'm like, yes, yes. where in the U.S.? He's like, no, no, Brazil, man. I'm like, oh. Uh, naturally. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> actually. Um, so, and he's a big petrol head as well. Oh, yeah. And so we had a big sort of like link between us because... I was sort of very much attached to the Formula One world before he was born in 1979, um, uh, 79, 80, 81. So yes, I have my own stories. James Hunt, if you saw what he was doing there on that uh, uh, show when it was him and Mickey Lauder, I forgot what it was called, it was um, a, a movie that came out um, about three or four years ago. God, I've forgotten the name. It's my brain. But he was shown doing so lots of weird shit. I was doing that with him in Belgium. So it's like, bring back a lot of, so we can go faster. <laughs> so that's another crop that comes from Peru. <laughs> of course, I'm not allowed to say that in America. No, never did it. I'm totally against that. Totally stuff. against it. Yes. Never happened. Never happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Prince Harry, you shouldn't have said that. Man. <laughs> I'm <be> fool. <laughs> Let's talk about where we're at. We're at the humidor of Lyle. Yes. And uh, as you can see behind Jeremy, they've got some great wallpaper that is... Is our, obviously you've seen it on designs in our booklets, but this is the same wallpaper that was in the Byzantium room in the uh, Villa Castagli in Cairo. So um, uh, Issam and Fred will be putting together a Castagli lounge here. And I think we're going to do the grand opening Yes. Um, in uh, November. Probably October or November. We've got to get the, the date down where I know my arm's correct. And because uh, that's another painful story. And I believe you're smoking one of the cigars we I made. I am. I'm smoking them. the specialist. The special, Castagli specialist. And we have like seven of those, I think, around the world at the moment. Seven or eight. And uh, 
So yes, uh, I like this cigar a lot. I was here yesterday, uh, and if uh, if you're on my Discord, uh, I, I posted a picture of it because I'm like, this thing's really good. Like Thank I you. like this a lot. Uh, tell us what's in it, Jeremy. Uh, something from my past. <laughs> there you go. That's all you're getting. That's it. So yeah, I mean, uh, you, you, sometimes you've got to keep some mystery. Yeah, there, absolutely. Right? Yeah, so, absolutely. So, um, uh, but it's it's uh, coming from uh, of the factory we work with in Costa Rica. And so the ones that make our Daughters of the Wind and the Cypher 3311. So there's so much secrecy built around Cypher 331. Let's carry that on to this one. I, I like that. I like that. And that kind of goes with the whole, like, you're kind of an international man of mystery. Oh. And a, uh, <laughs> I did, <Jack. laughs> uh, And the Cypher is great. We love the Cypher. And I wanted to ask you about this, because I haven't, I have so many cigars to review, and I'm trying to get through them, and I haven't got to the Lorenz yet, but I'm going to uh, review the Lorenz. And we talked about this a little bit in 2019 because I went back and I listened to the episode. We talked about reviewers. And at the time, I wasn't really that big of a reviewer. I think I had uh, somebody else doing the reviews for me on the website. Yeah. Scores. Do you really pay attention to the scores? Well, I, I, I do, actually. I mean, I don't get harmed by them. Do you remember, you know, sometimes I find them quite amusing. Um, I, I, overall, we've done very, very well. Mm -hmm. But you'll notice if you go onto our site, we had that infamous one from uh, dear Charlie when he tasted our Cremello and absolutely fucking hated it. I'm not even going to take that. Uh, but that, uh, you know, it, it, brought, <laughs> it brought us so much publicity that we even had cigar journals said, Jeremy, now's the time to get that cigar out because everyone's talking about it. And interesting enough in that consensus, uh, um, one from Charlie produced. He says in the top 20 cigars discussed across the world, one was the Cremello. No surprise there. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, uh, it, it, this actually brings up a very interesting thing about reviews because, um, as Charlie said, you know, I believe that when you pick up a cigar from a store, it should be fit for purpose. And because the main argument which we put up was that actually, you know, it's a bit, over-humidified coming from Costa Rica and being a Lancero, that's got a lot effect upon it. Um, but I, and so many were saying, you know, Jeremy did say, and Jeremy and Vlada's team said, try to buy, dry box it for a while, at least maybe a week before putting it in because they're just over-humidified and we have Bavada going in at the same time, which is a mistake we don't do anymore. Um, but I'd say there's good arguments on both sides, but we published that review because I, I find it quite amusing. Um, I remember once Vlada told me he went down to Texas and I won't mention the store. They hated everything about our brand. They didn't like that in each line there was a variance of the, of the, of, of the blends and they didn't like the way it was actually um, uh, presented. They didn't like it. I said, keep it coming, Vlad. I tell you, they really dislike it. It's kind of, it's a good story. It's a great and story. English love that stuff because we've been getting our ass kicked for the last 200 years. So sometimes the odd ass kicking is not a bad thing. Um, and to be honest, um, I find the, the scores, you know, do not forget is that everybody is involved with smoking this in the bloggers. This is like, we're all nerds and we all have our, um, sort of like our own way of doing things, but you've got to respect these people that love the business. Yeah. And it's rather like supposing I make model aeroplanes, okay, and where I'm a nerd in making our, our aeroplanes and somebody's saying, well, I think that was a terribly done one. You want to know why? And you want to speak to the person and it's not an offense. It says, let's exchange notes. So when the, um, I think we had a review on a Lorenz 
and I called uh, my Cubans and said, look at this one. And I remember then uh, George, uh, who used to work for Herbano Short Filler worldwide, and he likes making the long filler stuff. Uh, he he uh, actually produced a video which he put on uh, Facebook, of course that's rolled timers these days, on how to smoke a diademus. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. Uh, and so now, I saw that. now when I explain the Lorenz uh, on a thing, it says, well, the Lorenz was the hardest German coding machine to crack. Mm. Hard to make, hard to smoke. <laughs> it's only said in box, but very satisfying when it all comes together. So um, there you go. Uh, yeah, you know, when we looked at the score that he put out for the Lorenz, I immediately sent it to my staff, and we all just kind of had a good chuckle about it. Yeah, but Charlie's a Charlie's a good he's a he's a good guy. He's a, good guy. Um, he's a very good guy, and he's been always very supportive of coming around and interviewing. But yes, I mean, you know, it, it, each to their own. It's also I think subjective. overall, um, the Lorenz was the one that sold fastest in Europe. Wow, uh, we were out of that within two weeks after Dortmund. Is it just because? Because normally when you think of America, you think everybody likes things bigger, especially in Texas, right? Everything's got to be bigger. But it's interesting to me that the Lorenz sold faster in Europe. Yeah, well, because you see, it's um, also it's a, it's a size you rarely see out of the Cuba, Diademus. Yep. And people are into their Cuban cigars and they see a Diademus, which I haven't seen for ages. And I think that's part of it. Oh, I remember the Diademus. I remember Because that. although it's, it's, it's a big cigar, it's actually quite slim in its mm -hmm. way so it's you're not you know it's, and, and of course you know figurados are very very complicated and you're always going to find one or two which you had a hard time with yeah um but that's the nature of the product it's like trying to make something like i'm just referring to modeling i used to be a model when i was a young kid and make stuff for the army museum in chelsea um uh, <laughs> i was a real nerd and um uh, you know you can get a very very complicated model and they can be really irritating and then it comes together, it's phenomenal. Yeah. And then, so let's leave it at that, yeah. What's next for uh, Castagli? We know you're, you're going to St. Louis after this, and then... Then I head back uh, to go to Dubrovnik, and we, one of our markets which we're exploding in at the moment is in Croatia. Really? Well, thanks to uh, Marco Bilic, which is the Club Mareva. But also, the, uh, Croatia is on the Glitterati set, yeah, under the, the season. You have all, a lot of the rich and famous going there. Um, the, uh, the, the coastline there is from the Dalmatian coast is one of the most beautiful. And so there's a lot of amazing restaurants. Uh, you can smoke more freely in Croatia. Um, yes, there are certain sort of rules, but it's still quite, still quite open. And so, yes, it's, it's, um, it, it's, uh, it's a very interesting market for us. We made one of the Club Mareva lines. Some of people are tasting it out there at the moment called the Jura. You haven't come across the Jura before. No, I have not. You? It's a similar blend to the one you're smoking. And it's named after Marko Bilic's father. The oh, wow. story will be online soon for people to read. But suffice it to say, um, he was a political prisoner at the age of 16 of Tito. As one of um, Marco's dear friends, Philip, used to say, we all knew when Euro was turning, my father, who was a, became a top doctor, Euro became one of the top cancer specialists in Europe. And when he was studying with him, he'd say how bad Euro smelt. 
because he was taking the clothes off dead people in the street to survive. Oh my God. And when he passed away, 15,000 people turned up at his funeral. Wow. So to honor him, he's always smoking his Cuban cigars. Marco still has all the boxes he smoked from. So we wanted to honor him. That's amazing. And we call it the Yoda. That's awesome. I know you're not going to be a PCA. Yeah. Do you have any surprises at PCA? You've already kind of told us a little bit about yeah, what's coming. A few ones that there will be a surprise. There, there. will be a surprise. There. there will be a surprise. There. I mean, Kellner Jr. is going to be there. Tamara, Graham. We've got the Canada guys. We've even got the one Canada of the chaps guys. from King's Ransom is going to pop over. That's a wonderful story at Zone. As Bruce is a friend of ours, we want him to be there to pop in and say hello. That's well. great. So, um, yes. So, but there is going to be something published, I think, on Half Wheel in mid June. Perfect. Perfect. About what's uh, going on. Guys, when you get a chance, you've got to come to uh, the Humidor of Lyle and check out the specialist and all of the other great Castaglioli. They got everything. They even have cottontail here, which yes. cottontail is so hard to find. And it, they, but they've got it here. They have everything. Jeremy Castagli. Thank you so much. I know you're jet lagged. I know you're tired. No, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And, uh, you know, it's, the, it's, the, it's the, the arriving when you're, I don't care how, my mother used to say jet lags for pussies. My mother, <laughs> and she, she's Australian, so she knows. She knows. And she's always packaged and poured. And, and, you know, it's smoking with our fellow hobby lovers. Absolutely. Actually is the best, hard edge, best part of the business. I know you've got an event here uh, in about half an hour sure. where we're gonna, you're going to grand open this room and, well, and tell thing, some stories. We've still got some decorations to do. And uh, for, you know, this wonderful, for Fred and his son, we're going to be doing the big thing in November, probably. Nice. So. You got to come check this room out uh, and then come back in November. This room's fantastic. I know uh, I talked to Esam yesterday about the wallpaper because I was like, I think I might want that. Uh, in the home studio and lounge. And it's he was, beautiful. Yeah. He was like, maybe you do, but maybe you don't want to spend that amount of money. And I'm like, yeah, yeah maybe not. Uh, but it looks beautiful. It looks absolutely gorgeous. Stunning, yes. Everything uh, around here. They've got the specialists. They've got everything. Uh, tell Esam and, and Fred. <laughs> <laughs> tell Esam and Fred uh, that Simply Stogie sent you. Uh, and Jeremy, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, until next time, guys. Cheerio. Stay smoking.